0: Allegretta Alive is a self-love coach, empowerment speaker, spiritual awakening guide, and adoptee advocate. In the self-love movement, there are no followers, only leaders, creators of their own joy, heroes of their own story, champions of a compassionate world. The Spirit of Self-Love podcast reminds us that we are all miraculous beings with purpose and can help humanity elevate and evolve by returning within. Do you remember who you really are?
1: Today on Spirit of Self Love podcast, we have a very special guest here, Julissa Emil, also known as Mother Juniper. They are a Boston transplant from the United States Virgin Islands, a divine orator whose strong, heart-centered delivery. And words of profound, ancient wisdom shift the planet and give voice to universes. Their work focuses on the intersections of blackness and queerness, and if that were a garden, what would grow from it? In our conversation, we talk about how to hold self-loving space at IHOP heal and liberate ancestors with sacred words of empowerment and their exploration of astrology, herbalism, and Obeah work while renouncing their catholic upbringing. Yes, this episode is packed with so much spiritual self-love gold. This is the first time on Spirit of Self Love podcast where we feature works of spoken word poetry And we are so fortunate that Julissa shares three powerfully uplifting poems with us. This is episode seven, a conversation with Julissa Emile about cherishing intersectionality and lineage with poetry. Enjoy. You are going to be 21, soon. I am. Yes. (laughs)
0: Aries. Aries. Disgustingly Aries. Like, six placements in Aries.
1: So, is it, like, April birthday?
0: Yeah, April 3rd.
1: And I told you that you don't seem like you're younger than 21. Which I also don't really like getting those kind of comments either. I think they're Mm -hmm. kind of annoying because, Mm -hmm. like, what is age?
0: Yeah. I feel like uh, it's very aries to feel that way. Like, I feel like a lot of people are just like, you seem so much wiser beyond your years. And I said that wonder and wisdom are two things that are always going to be connected with one another.
1: Yeah. Like being an old soul, multiple lifetimes. Have you ever explored any of that?
0: Yeah, I was thinking about it this morning. Um, I'm really into this app called The Pattern. And Mm. have you seen, have you been on The Pattern? Oh my god, it's terrible. It's like, like, I only have one friend on there because it literally just exposes your entire soul. Wow. Yeah. But I recently like started dating this person and it was just like, you and this person have a karmic link and that's why you feel so close to them and you feel like you've known them forever or whatever. And I just thought to myself, I was like, wow, we're really just destined to travel the earth for eternity in as the same soul in different types of skins, um, but I'll bite. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's. I think it's. It's really fascinating. I've been thinking a lot about like past lives, and I try not to. I'm a very anxious person, and sometimes I'm like I get anxious about like seven seven lives into the future. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. I think that it helps me gain a better sense of empathy because I'm like I could be that person in the next life so like you see people and you see what they're going through and you want to be kinder to them because it's like that's the situation that I could be in very soon and it's all karmic it always like it always comes back we're all like on a very similar karmic plane like it's all gonna happen to us it's really interesting because I feel that way about so many of the people that I love that I've like known them forever mm-hmm. but yeah that's uh, that's how I'm feeling very old all the time just a very old, old soul in very, very soft skin. <laughs> mm. It's fascinating because sometimes we think that um, we've mastered things and then the test comes and it's like, what are you going to do in this situation? Because like, I recently had this like falling out with someone and I was just like, oh, I know how to deal with these things. I'm so good at compartmentalizing and unpacking my feelings because I'm a beautiful Cancer moon. And... Um, When it came time to, like, do all those things, I just got caught in this cycle of anger and not being able to, like, properly deal with the feelings that I was having. Mm. And we're here on this earth to heal a million times, no matter, like, how many times it takes. As, like, a black person from the Caribbean and then, like, all of this stuff that's, like, interconnected with that identity. Yeah. But especially, like, feminine people of color, we have, like, this want and desire to heal all the people that are around us before we like heal ourselves yeah and that's been like something that i've been like struggling a lot with lately and i was talking to my therapist about it the other day she was just like you can't fill other people's cups if you're not full first or something like that yeah and i'm usually like oh whatever but it's also it's very true like we pour ourselves into like so many people that we forget to check into ourselves because we think we belong solely to like other people And in terms of lineage, that's, like, really hard to deal with because it's, like, I, for a long time, a lot of, like, what I based a lot of my healing on was, like, when I heal, I'm doing it for, like, the people that came before me. I'm doing it for, like, my ancestry. And when I heal, my ancestors will heal or something like that. Yes. The best way to do it is if you're doing it for yourself. But it's hard to, you know, because there are points when you, like, don't consider yourself worthy and you have to like work around what exactly that means and Mm -hmm. like why you don't think so highly of yourself. Recently, I have been trying to surround myself with like a lot more like uh, black femme folks and I feel like it's been really, really healing for me in a very specific way and I think like, I hope like very healing for them as well for Valentine's Day. I, I went down to Providence with a few of them, and it was so beautiful because we just, like, went out dancing and we went out to eat. It was just, like, us loving ourselves, like, somewhat disconnected from, like, the framework of, like, desirability in terms of, like, white supremacy it's just it's strange because like, you know, Valentine's Day is such a funny holiday when you're like a person that is like single or like doesn't know what your relationship status is. And then it's like even stranger for like black feminine folks, because we're like constantly told that we're like undesirable or like not worthy mm-hmm. of like a lot of feelings of love. So it was really nice to hold space and also just be around a lot of those really beautiful people.
1: Yeah. You would say that. Surrounding yourself with people who have shared experiences is like a way that you practice yourself with.
0: Oh, absolutely. It just makes it easier, you know. You see beautiful things in people, and then you're like, I would like to see those things in myself. Mm. And then sometimes they're already there, which is
1: is really nice. (laughs) Mm. I find that when we long for a sense of community Mm -hmm. or like longing for a deeper relationship with ourselves because the community that we typically surround ourselves with are i mean like physically yeah similar Mm -hmm. to us but also like emotionally yeah spiritually yeah like on that same wavelength yeah so it's just kind of like a deeper development of a relationship like back into ourselves
0: yeah absolutely oh i love it oh is all I've wanted for so long. <laughs> or like I think I made a wish like last year, and I'm really glad seeing that finally coming into fruition. And I'm glad that it's healing me the way that I that it needs to.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, since you've like arrived at finding, I guess, a sense of tribe and mm-hmm. people who act as really validating and accepting mirrors for you. Mm-hmm. What was it like on like your path? navigating towards where you are now Mm. and feeling kind of like an absence of this tribe that you have now
0: yeah yeah it's definitely been like a very hard one i grew up on a majority black island but still like uh factors of like white desirability were like heavily present we're like an american owned island we're like a colony of the united states just like the way that I saw myself and like the way that I presented and felt about myself was like so strange like I remember like being in ninth grade in the bathroom with like one of my friends um and I was just like why is there like nothing interesting about my face and I was just like looking at it for like the longest time and just like how that incorporated itself into like the people that I ended up hanging out with and the people that I ended up dating and like It's very hard to see like good in yourself when like no one around you like looks like you Mm. and mirrors aren't like the most definitive way to love yourself. Uh, But it's just like it's a good start, you know, to like see something in someone else and then like want that to be seen in you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. The journey has been very difficult and I definitely thought at, like, some points that I, like, had arrived, I was just like, yeah, I think I'm great. You know, like, I have a boyfriend and therefore I'm a desirable person. Mm. But I was so angry all the time because I guess there was, like, this dissonance, you know, of just, like, what I wanted, what, what I felt and then, like, who, what I was presenting as. Mm. Um, and that bothered me for, like, the longest time. And then I figured it out in, like, 11th grade. I was like, I don't think I really, like, feel like a girl. Um, I don't think that I am really straight. And I'd known that forever. Like, when I was in 6th grade, I was in, like, Catholic school. So I used to, like, go to the public library and, like, read books about gay people. (laughs) Like, specifically, like, lesbians. And I was just like, oh, this is so beautiful. What a love story. The only real ones that have ever existed. And... I'm about to turn 21 and I've just been thinking back on all these times that I was like oh that was gay <laughs> like, like when I was in fifth grade I had like this uh, scrapbook uh, of like just photos of like Mariah Carey and I just loved her so much and I was just like I did not figure out why and I'm like oh <laughs> that was gay <laughs> I don't know it's been really it's been really hard it's been very like eye opening um, but I feel like a very deep sense of peace like going along this path you know
1: i like really appreciate that you had like that initiative and like inner passion for you to like develop the resourcefulness mm-hmm. to go to the <laughs> library and find like, gay books
0: oh yeah i think the first one was on accident though because i was just like <sighs> This is so... What? What is this? And then, like, I couldn't... I never, like, took it out. Like, I never, like, checked it out because I didn't want, like, somebody to find it and be like, oh! But I, like, just would go back to the library every day. And it was so cool because it was, like, right... The library was, like, right next to my mother's office. So i just go there right after school. But, yeah, gay books are where it's at. Literature's tight. Literature is also a mirror mm-hmm.
1: into yourself, you know? Was that another gateway into your practice of writing poetry
0: perhaps
1: yeah I don't know um when did you start writing
0: I always I always wrote a lot because like I don't know I grew up in a a very I grew up in a very loving household but like very Caribbean very like religious so like there are just certain things that like were not supposed to be talked about so like if I was sad I'd journal about it if Mm -hmm. I like felt um spicy feelings (laughs) I would like journal about it and so and I feel like poetry kind of just became like the second language you know because like sometimes people read poems and they're like I have no idea what this is about and I was just like good because when straight people read my poems I don't want them to know what it's about (laughs) Mm. it's not for them and that's why they can't read it literature has always been like an escape both like when i'm the one that's writing it and then like also like the one that's reading it of course because it's like morse code almost into like identity Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) that just like clicked on like a switch in my mind you just (laughs) said there that you don't want people who haven't had a shared experience with you to be able to decode the messages in your poems
0: yeah yeah it's it's actually really interesting how like I haven't been to a slam in a minute but I used to go to a lot of slams and I feel like people would always come up and be like that piece was amazing and Um, you were such a phenomenal performer. And they're always talking about, like, the energy of the piece and, like, how the piece made them feel, but they understand absolutely not a word of it. Mm -hmm. Like, I've had so many friends that are gender nonconforming or non-binary or both, and they'll do a poem about it, and then people will be, like, they'll come up to them right after the poem and then, like, be, like, amazing piece and then just, like, straight up misgender them. And it's just, like, that's, like... How it feels when people understand this very like surface level energy to like aspects of humanity. You know, like people don't have like a full like people don't have a full insight into identity. And so like they mess it up Mm. a lot. (laughs) Mm. But yeah, if it's not for you, it's not for you. Would you like to share a poem? Yeah, I'll share a poem. Let's see. This one was inspired by um, that trip that my friends and I took to Providence for Valentine's Day. This is called Side Chicks Go to IHOP on Valentine's Day. (laughs) And we be too loud and legs too wide open at the family dinner table. Too pissed off at how every restaurant wants to have a set menu, $70 a person. Single people aren't bitter that they're single on Valentine's Day, they are hungry. Me and my three best friends take a $4 lift to IHOP and feast on breakfast at 8 o'clock on a Thursday. Desirability politics paid the bill. I say, I don't know who it was that made us feel unlovable. I say, imposter syndrome creeped up my neck, said I wasn't sunshine enough to be donned on someone else's arm in public. And they'd be like, mm, you knew he had a girlfriend. And I'd be like, mm, he knew he had a girlfriend too. I am nowhere near bitter. I am blueberry syrup sweet i'm three blueberry pancakes deep into loving myself my best friends eat hash browns as if it was the last suffer and she is so beautiful that night we hold each other in our arms and say if no skater boy loves you at least i do and ain't it funny how all the white boys loved us until it was time to show us to their mamas i love you i do and isn't that enough isn't this a love that's worth celebrating too i'm trying to reach as many identities as possible like when I do my poems because I feel like they all are obviously incorporated in me and they all have something to do with the way that I feel.
1: So for you, in your experience in like discovering yourself Mm -hmm. through intersectional identities, what was that like, that process of realizing, oh, I can put like words to this?
0: I was always just like, okay, this is a place where like blackness is allotted. But this place is not a place where, like, queerness is allotted. Mm. And this is a place where queerness is allotted, but spirituality isn't allotted or something like that. And I feel like the journey's been very difficult, but I don't know, since I've moved to Boston, we're in, like, this city where so many people come and are at so many beautiful intersections, and I feel like community has been something that's easier to find. And through community, I've been able to like access certain parts of my identity that feel like much more divine than they feel like superficial.
1: That's amazing. You touched on like really solid points just then, uh, talking about how you you are cultivating a divine connections over superficial ones.
0: Yeah,
1: and. You also talked about how you had to separate, you know, certain aspects of yourself, section yourself off (laughs) based on what you feel is appropriate in each like given environment. So with all of those experiences, what was it like for you to come into your divinity, like spirituality, Mm -hmm. since you had experienced so much of having to hide your authenticity of other
0: identities it was very lonely like Mm. for a very very long time like because when when you're figuring out that part of yourself you have to like spent a lot of time away from people that you thought you cared about so that you can at least unpack and see those relationships for like what they really are and like the purposes that they serve in your life. And so finding like divine identities around my own self, it was it was very lonely because I had to like cut people off that I thought were like doing well for me. And then I realized that in the long run that this is not going to be a relationship that's going to be healthy for me. And that's, that's hard, you know? Um, because I don't know, I'm a very, very social person. I have a huge 11th house stellium. I'm always wanting to interact with people. And so like having to spend all of this time away from people so that I could figure things out is really hard. And it still is like I'm still like going through that process. Like I spent this last weekend inside because I was like, I need to be with myself right now because I'm feeling really lonely. And whenever I feel lonely, that means that my body or my soul is trying to tell me something and that I need to listen to it right now.
1: Yeah. Loneliness is a calling. Mm-hmm. To go with for sure.
0: Yeah. I love to rest and i like to not feel guilty about resting because <laughs> it's very easy to it's very easy to feel like inadequate when you're somebody that's resting or when you're taking care of yourself because of like the way that america makes us feel about it you should rest um and that's that's uh, that's me talking to the listeners you should rest this is your this is your sign you should rest naps are tight yo. i have a list Last year, January 11th, it was Capricorn season, and that was important to me because this was a list poem, and Capricorns love lists. I hadn't left my house in three days, but it wasn't like a healing thing. It was like a sad, kind of like not leaving the house. and left my house, and it was January, but it was surprisingly warm, and it was like, it felt sunny to me, even though it was like clouded outside, and I went all the way to Veggie Galaxy. I love veggie galaxy. Veggie galaxy is one of the things that I love to do when I'm feeling down. I like to take care of myself and um a lot of poets like to do this this thing called Friday crushes or like a Friday crush list. And so this poem is just like everything that I have like a crush on and I won't like read all of it, but it's just like I have a crush on the entire staff at Veggie Galaxy and a crush on this vegan matcha frappuccino and the server because we both just gushed over the fact that we're both Aries Mm -hmm. and Marina and the Diamonds is playing right now over the speaker and my 16-year-old heart is screaming. I have a crush on this weather. And the snow is finally melting. And the little brown birds that stick around throughout the winter. And everyone in this lift line that I took here. And on myself for brushing my teeth. And for putting on a dress. And for allowing myself to feel pretty. And wanted. And to want back.
1: So there is like the like self-love mm-hmm. aspect. Mm-hmm. And the catharsis of releasing like, a lot of these feelings and emotions and thoughts through Mm -hmm. your poetry. Is there also, like, the hope that someone is going to listen and, like, have that, like, deep connection of, like, oh, someone else gets this too. I'm
0: not alone in this. Yeah, I think for sure. I think for the longest time when I was slamming, there was just, like, this big thing that was just, like, when we slam, we slam to heal other people as well. And I thought that was really beautiful. I try not to make it like the basis of my work. I really love how like people incidentally heal as like a cause of like a lot of my work. I get a chance to communicate things to people just by creating a scenery. And through the scenery, people like feel this kind of emotion that's like going on in this room, this like nebulous space that I'm creating in my work. I have this other poem that's like, that's called Buccaneer and it's about like neocolonialism and a lot of the ignorance surrounding the Caribbean. Like when Caribbean people come to the state side or like when stateside people come to the Caribbean. And I think it's really beautiful because a lot of people struggle uh, with words and assigning like words to like a lot of the feelings that they have. And I'm really glad to be a part of their process of unpacking that, especially when I barely had to do any work for it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, It's really nice, you know, and I'm happy for them. And I'm glad that we get to heal together. I wrote this poem kind of just like because I wanted to heal so badly. There are people that want me to heal. There's that Facebook post going around that's like your grandmother's prayers are still working on you. And I'm just like, I hope so, because like it's really hard to be alive sometimes But I ended up writing Tropical Depression, and it's about a lot of things. It's about, like, misogyny. It's about, like, craft as, like, a a reclamation of self. It's about depression. It's about lineage. It is the 10th time this year that my mental health has deferred me from cleaning my room. Which is strange because it is only March. Which is strange because it is not even hurricane season yet. All the same, my mother tells my family members that my room has been hit by Hurricane Julissa. And the older men of my family who swear that old plus man must equal wise start to tell me stories about hurricanes that carry the names of women and how they always do the most damage. And they probably expect us to take the hit because our fathers were farmers that only raised scapegoats. But my mother has replayed the history to me a thousand times over. See, she starts with my great grandmother who could cook up a spell better than she could cook up a meal, who you went to when you wanted your palm red? who you went to when you wanted your husband dead, who the children in the neighborhood whispered stories about because women like her were burned at the stake centuries ago then she speaks of my grandmother who was brought up in a time where child marriages were as regular as rain and never lived a day until her husband died once a man came to her doorstep trying to take her hand for marriage and she drew a line in the sand with her machete and dared him to cross it and cross her, you see they called her a witch called any woman that made it clear she could do without a man a witch, which leads us back to my mother who brought me up in a matriarchy so I would know whose blood I carried beneath my skin every good Friday cracking eggs to see the future and cracking eggs to make us breakfast and she turned on the heat to her own stove and she turned the key in her own lock and she held me like a back brace so I would stand tall and look over all that she'd secured for me so maybe the women of my family are witches, brujas obia women using our powers to escape from the wicked maybe the women of my family are magicians always having a trick or a knife up our sleeves ready to strike at any man who thinks he can twist my will by calling me baby who thinks he can twist my wrist when I don't respond to him calling me baby and maybe the women of my family are hurricanes And maybe hurricane is just a name that man gave to Mother Nature's reclamation of herself. All I know is that there must be some kind of magic involved for our blood to have survived this long. And if the trauma is the only thing that survives, at least something of us survives. And if the women of my family can survive this time and time again, then maybe I will survive this tropical depression knowing this makes it hard for me not to walk into a room like i have a place there to claim this ruin that preceded me like this land is mine like this body is mine like my history is something that was supposed to meet me here and maybe we were the hurricane that you weren't prepared for the natural disaster that saw that all that man claimed to be his and took it back and generation after generation we will take ourselves back again I feel a lot more in touch with a lot of the people, like like ancestry and lineage after like doing that piece, yeah, like now, but like also like after like I finished writing it, I'm kind of a mumbly person, kind of a rambly, but at that poem just like it feels like definitely like a heightened self kind of thing, like I'm like I'm a bad bitch, and so is everybody and all these witches in my family, <laughs> you know, um. It's just, it feels so good. It feels like behind me are all of these beautiful people that came before me and they are like lifting me up every single time that I do this piece. And I think it sets a lot of people free. I think it's like set free certain parts of myself. And I feel like it's healed like some of my lineage, not all of it, but a good, Mm -hmm. a good piece, Mm -hmm. which is really like such a beautiful feeling for me
1: hmm Mm -hmm. that's really beautiful oh thank you (laughs) so you went to catholic school i did (laughs) what was that experience for you because i also went to catholic school
0: oh my god terrible why do they do that to us (laughs) contrast uh yeah catholic school's a trip yo for sure oh yeah catholicism is very strange especially in the caribbean Mm -hmm. um Because like a lot of like the practices that we have in the Caribbean, like hoodoo voodoo, obia, centeria, all of that kind of stuff, all have like aspects of Catholicism in them because like slaves had to hide what their true religion was. I'm saying this word again. There's just like this dissonance in it. Like there just doesn't there feels like there's this very deep disconnect from like what God actually wants. There's a lot of anger. Around, like, Catholicism and, like, in the Catholic Church. (laughs) so much anger. There's so much anger in it. And it's just, like, why is that? But because they're, like, we don't ask questions here. Who do you think you are? Or whatever. It's just, like, there's no space for unpacking. And it creates this very strange culture of just, like, we're not saying anything. We're just, like, following and that's that. And I was just, like, I'm a Gemini rising. So incredibly inquisitive all the time and that just was not cutting it for me I could not do it I was in Catholic school from like first grade until like eighth grade and I got my confirmation in eighth grade and I remember we had to go on like the retreat before we got confirmed and I remember being on the retreat and I was just like crying so much and I could not figure out why Mm. like I just felt like this deep sorrow inside of me for some reason I went home and I was so I was still so sad and like I still got confirmed, but after that, I was just like, this ain't it, yo. It's not for me. Like, I really do not think that Catholicism is, like, what my soul wants or has ever wanted. It's just something that's been, like, imposed upon me. I think any dynamic that creates an environment where, like, inquisitive people can't ask questions is an unhealthy environment.
1: Yeah, so much of it is still so militant-based because mm-hmm. of its foundations in, mm-hmm. like, colonialism. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also, like, so much, like, sexual repression oh, as well, absolutely. which is probably where, like, the majority of the anger feelings come from.
0: Ooh, I have a quote for you. I have a quote for you. Okay, I had this geared up. Uh, there's this movie called The Love Witch, and it's, like, a cheesy... It's made in, like, 2000 and like, like the, it's in it's 2010s or whatever's movie. Um, but it's kind of just like making fun of like cheesy seventies movies, but it's through this gorgeous lens of like, of like this witch and she's just killing all these men. Haha. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, but there's this quote in it from her high priestess. I'm going to read it. Okay the whole history of witchcraft is interwoven with the fear of female sexuality the high priestess of Elaine's coven explains by the way of the thesis they burned us at the stake because they feared the erotic feelings we enlisted in them later they used marriage to hold us in bondage and make us servants or fantasy dolls never asking us what we wanted they teach us that normative human being is a higher rationalistic stoic male and the woman's emotions and intuitions are illnesses that need to be cured Mm. (laughs) and i was just watching this comedy movie it's funny and then i was like homegirl is making some points like she's saying what needs to be said and that's just like how it feels like catholic school is so much patriarchy and it's so fascinating to me being like a black person and like watching a lot of the things that like people just like follow that are so innately anti-black you know like religion is not something that's like innately anti-black but the way that these religions that were used in the caribbean and like many like places that use slavery those are definitely just
1: bad so much of the colonialism was ingrained into it and completely steered a lot of these religions into darkness and chaos
0: I used to go to Wheelock College, and we had this class called Human Growth and Development. We were talking about, like, the emotions that human beings actually have from birth, and many of them are, like, also, like, emotions that other animals have. And only animals that have metacognitive thinking, meaning animals that are able to see themselves, are animals that can feel shame. And that just struck me so terribly, because it's just, like, Shame is just, like, a very strange thing. And it's not, like, an organic emotion. It's only an emotion we feel because, like, people put it on us. And I feel like that was, like, a lot of the beginning for, like, the undoing of, like, a lot of the Catholic background that I had. Or, like, a lot of the feelings of shame that I had around, like, sexuality and, like, beauty and my work. There's just so much shame. Yeah, Which, yeah, you were just talking about. Shame in religion is, like, almost, like, one of the founding principles. And, like, that's not fair. And I don't think it's right. Um, I don't think that there's a God out there that would create beautiful people and then be like, don't be this way. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: How did you work through... Well, I guess it seems like you kind of veered off of that since you already had, like, your own intuitive inner awareness and knowing that this wasn't it. Mm hmm How did you steer yourself out of this shame-ridden institution and system to come into, like, your own spirituality?
0: Word, yeah. Took a really long time still definitely, like, developing it. I'd heard stories growing up for, like, the longest time from, like, my mother and, like, about, like, her mother and her mother's mother and whatever. And I was like, so this is just, like, a pattern that we have here. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, always been a thing and I'm just going to have to come into my own about it since nobody wants to talk to me about it. Mm. My grandmother passed away in 2005, but before that she used to order a McDonald's farmer's almanac every single year because it like, um, cause in the Caribbean, that's like how people do it. Like depending on like what sign the moon is in, that's like the day that people will like pull up weeds. And if like, I don't know, there's like different stuff here. Um, Yeah, it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful book. And it's fascinating, like, that this is, like, all astrology, even though, like, astrology and, like, craft are, like, something that were very, very hush-hush when I was growing up. And I was just like, then why do we have all these books lying around? Like, why is this something that is constantly, like, directly in our vision, but we're, like, never, ever talking about it? Hmm. Mm -hmm. This book is just, like, Very, very green. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say like green witchy, but like very like herbalism based. And that's been something that's very important to me as of late and like looking at the way that like nature has always been there to heal us, you know, and how it's nothing new at all. Like these are like traditions that have been passed down forever, but it just took me a while to get the book. I feel like I identify as a witch in terms of, like, accessibility to language. Just in the same way that, like, I identify as a gay person sometimes because it's easier to do that than explain the entire gender binary to people. I do a lot of obia work, and that's, like, what is, like, common in, like, my lineage. Mm -hmm. Um, I also do, like, a lot of herbalism work. And that is what a person would call a witch, you know, like caretakers of the land, caretakers of the animals, using herbs to heal you as opposed to like using other forms of medicine. Like that's what someone would call a witch. And by that means I am one. But I don't know if I always identify as it.
1: Would you like to tell listeners where they can get in touch with you
0: or learn more about you and your work? yeah my instagram is at mother juniper like the juniper berry and my twitter is uh, incidentally also mother juniper and if you are interested in booking me you can hit me up at jujuismagic at (laughs) gmail.com thank you for
1: sharing so much of yourself today
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me here and opening up my throat chakra. Yeah, it's been
1: like very much a pleasure mm-hmm. getting to experience this with you. Mm-hmm. Is there meaning behind Mother Juniper?
0: Mother is the scientific name that you give to a plant when it if you cut off a piece of it, more of it grows. I really love that. And then I just love the juniper berries. My name is Julissa, and then they both are Juju. And so I like using that a lot.
1: Mother Juniper mm-hmm. really is like resonating on a level of like, not necessarily like gendered in terms, but more of like mm-hmm. a mother as the archetype of a nurturer mm-hmm. and creator. Mm-hmm. One that cares a lot for the collective mm-hmm. vibe, mm-hmm. which I feel you totally embody.
0: Thank you. I hope so. Mm. I would like to stay energetically grounded or at least maintain things that would keep me energetically grounded as like I move on into different aspects of my life. Like my artistry is like just getting started and there are so many things that I would like to do with it. I'm a very all around orator and I want to do like different kinds of voice stuff and different kinds of like acting with voices and music and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm excited for it, but I'm going to get there. And I'm excited about it.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation with Julissa Emil. Their email and social media links are provided in the description of this episode. Thank you, Mother Juniper, for your courage, strength, and willingness to heal yourself. Because when we heal ourselves... We don't only heal our own ancestors, we heal aspects of the entire human collective. You are an incredible love worker and you have already affected so many of us just by being here on this planet and sharing your divine words with us. Thank you for listening today you are loved so profoundly. Thank you for being here at this time to assist in the evolution of humanity. Thank you for being a leader of the self-love movement. Remember who you really are. Love always and I'll meet you at the next one.